1: Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10
0: per order. Additional terms apply.
2: KNC Masterpiece right here on 105.3 The Fan. You got me, Kevin Hagelin, Corey Majors, Chris Strong, and making his return, Mike Basick, ladies Holy and cow. gentlemen. There's a lot going on in the world of sports. There is a lot going on in the world of sports. And at 1045, we will have Chris Jericho in studio. I am stoked about that. But we're actually going to start with the Shohei contract because I think the Dodgers are business geniuses. Genii, if you prefer. I don't prefer
3: Genii. Okay. Well, actually,
2: when, when really the good. when the deal came out, I was like, that's a stupid figure. The way they did that is dumb. And then I said, but supposedly there's a lot of deferred money in there so let's wait let's see how it works the deferred money in there is 97 so he will make it's insane it is amazing
0: i thought multiple people were lying to me on multiple For fronts sure. For obviously sure. i see quickly from people show hey signs with the dodgers and i'm like that makes all the sense in the world that was saturday i believe correct yes and so i'm like all right that makes sense and then like 15 minutes later, my 13-year-old son comes out and says, did you see that Shohei signed for $700 million? And I'm like, all right, stupid, you got that number wrong. Like, I didn't say that to his face, but I'm like, I get it. Like, I've heard multiple things from you guys, and then I go in and look at it, and I'm like, no, you're wrong on this. And I'm like, there's no way they gave him $700 million over 10 years. And so then I look at it, and I'm like, son of a gun! Yep. This is true. And then yesterday as I'm driving, I think, back from Austin when the news comes out that Shohei's deferring all the money except $2 million per year. And I'm like, what stupid website put this out that people yeah. are believing this and my friends ESPN. are believing? <laughs> yeah, and then I'm like, oh, this is real? Like, this can't be real. This doesn't make any sense. And then I talked to my agent, and he made it make a lot of sense. If teams are going to pay... 25 to 30 percent more than you're worth to defer the money and then it makes sense especially if you're going to play for a team in california yep it's it's genius on both sides it's yes the dodgers genius for the player especially that he's going to live in japan when he's making 68 million a year and not have to pay 13.3 percent in california taxes on it
3: genius i so that's where i do have a question kevin i know you want to break this down a little bit more but the concept of it does is there a an agent creative enough to come up with this idea? Or is it a is it the ownership that was creative enough to come up with this idea?
2: Well, and see, and supposedly Shohei Otani made this suggestion, but again, like I'll take that for face value. I was not privy to those conversations. And if that's the case, this deal makes even more sense to me because he makes about $45 million a year in endorsements. Yeah, and so, I saw 50. So. Okay, so 45 to $50 million. And so that essentially is his salary, right? And so he's like, fine, you pay me $2 million per year right now. I don't really care. And then he gets the lump sum payments every single year once he is out of Los Angeles. But what makes this amazing and makes me wonder if the team pushed this and Shohei's like, well, let's push even more of the money to the back is, I was doing the calculations. You pay about 65% on the dollar for your competitive balance tax payroll. I I, I so desperately want to say salary cap, but technically there's right. not a salary cap. And so, essentially, Shohei's going to count $46.2 million against their competitive payroll tax every single year. And if I told you going into this Shohei's going to make $46 million, you'd be like, Okay, sure. That sounds good. And so that's what they're getting away with. And I have no doubt that the Dodgers owners have plenty of money. And so now I'm really curious to your point from earlier. How many other teams will look at this when it comes to Soto or whoever and be like, "Hey, can we work this same kind of deal because he's not counting 70 million against the cap or the the tax. He's counting 46 million. That's an extra 24 million or even if you thought he was only worth 60 that's an extra $14 can, million dollars can, that you have to play with.
0: Can you explain to me real quick the he's counting $46 million? Okay.
2: So you get a discount on deferred money for your ta- for your payroll tax, but you don't not get to pay it. Like, Shohei is not counting $2 million per year against the cap. I, I know I'm just going to keep saying cap. Uh, again, that's fine. That's, yeah. that's the
0: basic way to explain it, especially for majority people listening right now or football fans over understanding the collective bargaining agreement in Major League Baseball.
2: And so from all the stuff I've read, he'll count about $46 million. So I did the math. That means if you do deferred money, you only get charged 65% of that actual cost for right now. So that's why the Dodgers are they are not paying $2 million per year on their cap but they're not paying 70. They got it down to 46 million. So this number feels very carefully calculated to be, Hey, you'll have the highest cap count against any player in the league, but we're still paying you $70 million per season eventually. And I think this is amazing. If you're only having to pay 65% on the dollar, if you defer other money, I had no idea you could do this much deferred money.
0: Yeah. It's, it's unlimited. Yes. You could defer your whole salary. If, I mean, I know I'm taking it to the Rangers here, but Ray Davis, you just got shown the way. Mm -hmm. Yes, absolutely. If if, if you're worried about the TV contract, you're going to get a good TV contract. Maybe a year from now, maybe three years from now. I'm not sure. Obviously, right now, a lot of things are up in the air. Sign everybody to $1 million contracts and defer the money. Now, the player has
2: to agree to it. The the agent has to agree to it. And now, let's stop right there. Because something that you brought up earlier, and you actually brought this up a really long time ago, is how many players would this work for? Because I have a feeling it wouldn't work for Juan Soto. I'm not saying Juan Soto has no money, right. but he's not making $45 million a year in right. endorsements or $50 million. That's why this works for this particular player because he's like, that's fine. Yeah. I'm literally making that amount of money in endorsements. If you're not, and let's say you're making $2 million a year in endorsements, and they're like, we'll also pay you $2 million yeah. right now. I can see how you'd be like, Oh, that didn't really work for me, Chief.
0: No, and I'm with you. And and the other thing, too, is like I'm going to bring up specifically Jordan Montgomery. I believe he lives in Massachusetts in the offseason. So if he deferred money when his career's over, he's going to have to pay state taxes on that money. Where if he was playing for the Texas Rangers while he's a Texas Ranger, he's not paying state taxes on that because he's working in the state of Texas. So there are certain things that are different. But the thing is, is agents aren't upset about this. Because oh, yeah. if you can get the client to agree to this, you're going to get thirty percent approximately more money. So if you're worth a hundred million dollar contract, I can get you a hundred and thirty million dollars. Yep. Will the just, agent
3: get that money down the road, yes, or will he get it negoti-
0: now? No, it's negotiate. It's when he gets the money.
3: In, okay, I,
0: I'm not gonna. I can't pay you if I don't have the money. Yeah, so and- when I get a paycheck for, uh, to make it really easily. Easy. If I make $12 million a year, I get a million dollars per paycheck because I get 12 paychecks right. over six months. So when I get that paycheck for a million dollars, I now owe my agent 4% gotcha. of that money. Okay. Uh, now, you can also do it at the end of the year if the agent's like at the end of the year after you get your $12 million. Obviously, you're not seeing all that because of taxes, but you're still paying me. Off of the twelve million dollars, you can send me a four percent check off of that.
3: Yeah, he just sent. His, he just set his agent up for future life. Like, yeah, nothing. nothing Doesn't have to worry about anything.
2: No, you're absolutely right about that. And then I saw some people Except were like, "Oh, is this really going to get pushed through by the Players Association?" I was like, "Yes." Yeah. The highest contract ever was four hundred twenty-six point five million. Now it just went to seven hundred million. You think they're going to reject that? Yeah. I realize that the vast majority of players will never see anything like that, but. You just off the game. Yes, yeah. they're going to take it. In
0: a weird way, just think of it this way. No, it's, it's even these numbers are fake to me because I did not make a lot of money playing baseball. But if your agent comes to you and says, hey, I can get you a five-year contract for $100 million yeah. or I can get you a five-year contract for $130 million, but you're, own, you're going to see that money over a 10-year period, not a five-year period. That becomes a a very talkable discussion with your family that you're like, hey, here's the deal. I get all of it in five years or I get all of it in 10 years and it's 30 extra million dollars. Now, I'm going to get a lot less over the first five years, but I think we can survive. Let's just say if I'm getting five million a year, so I'm going to get paid, you know, 25 million over the first five years, and then I'm going to get paid 105 million over the next five years.
2: Somebody asked, actually a couple of people have asked, can you do this in the NFL or would they do this with Dax contract? This is actually, it's a different version of this, but this is kind of already in place in the NFL with the voidable years. Like, for example, we've talked about it is. Dak's contract runs out after 2024 like technically but they have those two voidable years on there where you're still facing a 36 million dollar dead cap. So that's how the NFL has addressed this. You still get the, your the, money now but the we, way
0: different part though is it's 100% 700 million guaranteed. There's that no there's is, that no fake true. there's no that fake like true. a lot of times we get fake numbers in the NFL because you're like well how much of this is guaranteed now they over time, what you're talking about is they guarantee it over time. But right now, unless Shohei Otani gets in some sort of skiing accident or basketball accident, like you can void contracts through that, or you know, a, a Wander Franco situation, surfing accident, you know, like but like a hawk attack, right? Anything that's like, mm-hmm. hey, you're you got hurt doing something that has nothing to do with baseball or training for baseball, mountain climbing, that can be void your contract, Carl. I hear what you're saying. Uh, Cal Ripken Jr., for instance, got put in his contract. If he gets hurt playing basketball, still 100% of his contract is guaranteed because he loved playing basketball and getting ready for the season by playing basketball as his cardio, so he made sure in his contract, if I blow out my knee playing basketball, I still get all of my money because that's part of
2: my workout. Do you think that Joe Kelly had a great solution for the jersey number conundrum? He would like them both to have the same number and for the back of the jersey to say Joe Hay and then he could enjoy some of the benefit of those sales and everything like that, and he goes, Joe
3: Hay. oh, yeah. He was like, oh, this is really simple. We can make a jersey together and call it Joe Hay. I think the thing I like about Joe Kelly so much is he doesn't take himself too seriously. Fair. Like he just uh, he, He's like, hey, man, it's, uh, we're all here. Let's all have some fun.
0: Can I bring up something on an owner's standpoint? Sure. I'm assuming the Dodgers' ownership, and I know like Magic Johnson owns 1%, so I'm not going to say Magic Johnson is the owner. I'm sorry, right. I don't have it. on on the top of my head, who the Dodgers' primary owners are. Can you imagine, though, if nine years from now, they're like, we want to sell the team. And then a person's trying to buy this. So the Guggenheimers want to sell it. And then Mark Cuban comes in. I'm just throwing his name out there. And he goes, hey, man, I want to buy this. And he's like, I owe Shohei Ohtani $680 (laughs) million over the next 10 years? He's not even on the team.
3: Yeah. That, that's an amazing point. That's what comes along so with I'm it. So I'm assuming man. like price of business. you
0: feel like you're going to own the team forever because if you did this, because what's to stop the Dodgers? The collective bargaining agreement still has three years left on it. I believe it was a five-year agreement, and they've gone two years into the five years. I'm not 100% sure about that, but let's just go with it's a five-year collective bargaining agreement. They're going to do this with more players probably. I think you're right about that. So there might be a bill – Like, later on down the road where they're owing $150 million in player salary, which don't even count on player salary, it's just going to be so— do you
2: think in three years they're going to be like, hey, we need to figure out, like, a cap on deferred money or how it works with the tax? I do think
0: owners are now going to have to look at this, especially your mid-market owners, and go, hey, we usually get that money. We benefit from the tax. Yeah and now you guys aren't letting us benefit from the tax because you found a workaround, and the players love it because they're making 30% more salary than they were going to be owed. So I do think that I don't know if the Rangers will fall in this category, but the Pirates, the the Las Vegas A's for now at least or something like that uh, are going to look at this and go, what the crap, man? Like, we, <laughs> yeah. we can't really do these salaries. I don't think the Royals are going to offer Bobby Witt Jr. four years from now $600 million with 550 of it well, deferred.
2: Probably not, because right now the A's, Orioles, Pirates, Reds, Brewers, Royals, Marlins, and Guardians are all projected to have payrolls of less than $70 million. Mm. So, <laughs> there you go. And by the way, my favorite part about this whole situation— Bobby Bonilla day ends in 2035 and Shohei Otani day begins in 2034. So if you're a big fan of potentially retired players still getting lump sums of money, we
0: will keep that tradition going until the 2040s. I saw Steve Phillips who gave that contract out, who was my former general manager with the Mets said I'm off the hook. woo But, you know, you guys explained it yesterday. It's It was very beneficial for the Mets to do that deal that way.
2: I could see that. For the KNC Masterpiece right here on 105 Through the Fan. Coming up next, let's talk about those victorious Dallas Stars. Plus, we will chat with our Dallas Cowboys insider, Mickey Spagnola, right here on 105 Through the Fan.
1: Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced.
3: Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game.
1: You have 47 new voicemails.
3: Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply.
1: Listen to every MLB game live. And the deep left center field It is high, It is far, It
4: is gone.
1: Stream minor league affiliates.
4: The Midwest League home run
1: leader.
3: Cross the line, steal. Final second, they score! Lindell! They'll check the clock. As the looks like he got a buzzer beater to sneak in and give Dallas the lead.
2: KNC Masterpiece right here on 105.3 The Fan, where the Dallas Stars are victorious. 6-3 over the Red Wings. This felt like a pair of points. That the Stars... Needed? Yeah, it really did. And it felt like you needed to see a little bit something, something from Jake Ottinger. Good and God, yes. And he played significantly better than he has. Though, yeah. still, I think you see room for improvement defensively. So, Not just him.
0: I, I'm with you because I, I watched this game. I'm going to be honest. I watched the game in condensed form. You know how they make it a 15-minute game yes. on YouTube because I I missed watching the game last night. daughter got home from... Austin, and so I wasn't watching sports as much live as I would like to last night. And watching it, it made me think this. Stars obviously get a 6-3 win. Great job. Is, casually, do the Stars need to upgrade their defense through, like, trades when that time happens?
2: I think that is an excellent question. Keep that in mind. We're going to get back to that in just one second, because I'm with you on that, and I think the answer is yes. Right now, brought to you by Ford and your North Texas Ford Dealers. Ford is the best in Texas. It is our Dallas Cowboys insider, Mickey Spagnola. Good morning, sir.
4: The answer is definitely yes, since <laughs> I was at the game Saturday afternoon.
2: Oh, man. Oh, I was like, what was that
0: score against Vegas, like 73 to 1? <laughs>
4: I think Six to that one? was the equivalent yeah. Of, of yeah, what a hockey would be. Yeah,
2: that one was, that one was pretty dang bad. I don't
4: think I've, I don't know the last time I've left an event before it was over. Oh. I, I had seen enough with probably five minutes to go in the game. Yeah.
0: I left I, early when I watched Jason Witten destroy Bishop Lynch. I was like, how are they <laughs> open? Like, I'll tell you what, Jason Witten, I, I know this isn't a Jason Witten s- segment, but, man, the way that he runs an offense, because he's not getting the most talented kids at Frisco Liberty, a very right. small little private school, but he has those kids running five to ten yards open on so many routes.
1: You know,
4: you should have been here – when, so when Jason Garrett was here, they, and I think, I can't remember if they've continued to do it or not, but they would bring in some high school kids, some of the uh, kind of underserved uh, schools or whatever, and they would have a basically a play day, and uh, they would uh, give, they would name uh, several of the players, I don't know how many, sometimes they had 10, 12 teams, and they played flag football, and you should have seen when Jay, when, when Jason Witten was the captain, like the guy ahead of one of those teams, and he would serve as the offensive coordinator. I can't tell you how serious he took that stuff. I mean, he, he was grinding those kids to get them ready to play the games, and then it was kind of a an elimination tournament. But it's like we'd sit there and look and go, oh, he's got head coaching written all over him at some level if he wants to do it.
3: So he wasn't out there like, run the oop-de-oop, the hook and ladder. He was like, no. No, he was
4: coaching. They were were running plays that the Cowboys ran. Yeah, it was pretty cool.
2: (laughs) Now, something that I don't know if you heard about this, something not really cool. Did you see that a Cowboys employee got arrested (laughs) on Sunday night for just letting people into the game and taking cash when those people didn't have tickets?
4: You know, I think I heard something about that. I but mean, this it got re- you though, right? It got reported. Well, no, okay. yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, if I that? was if I was swindling that much money, yeah, God, I probably wouldn't be doing radio with you, right? Fair point. <laughs> what oh, I
0: didn't wow. see in the article was it was he taking twenty dollar bills, hundred dollar like how much was he taking? How much did you know. get into?
4: Yeah, the game I didn't. For? I didn't see that part. You know what it reminded me of? Way back, I was covering a Missouri football game at nebraska and this would have been late 70s and two of my uh roommates came with me so i was working they were just going to come and you know try to get a ticket to go to the game well it was kind of sold out well next thing i know uh they're in i i saw them from the press box they're in the stadium i go oh well they must have found tickets no they didn't find the ticket They found a guy that had a Nebraska—he was on the team, but he wasn't playing, right? Back then, they redshirted so many people at Nebraska. Right. Because everybody from Nebraska wanted to play at Nebraska, right? And he had a letterman's jacket. And so they had an entrance for the letterman to go in. So for, like, 20 bucks, he gave one of my roommates his jacket— the guy walks in and saw him, Letterman jacket, okay. And then he goes in because they recognize him, gets the jacket, comes back out, gives it to the other guy, gets his 20 bucks, goes in, and then he walks in again, gets the jacket, and, you know, Eddie, he scammed $40, right like that. And he probably did it for an hour before the game.
3: That's the way to do it right there. What? Is, yeah. what
2: that's your takeaway from that story, oh, man. Corey? We,
3: look, this whole country is based off people
4: just pulling uh, up their boots, Scamming. Shops.
3: Yeah. And scamming man, out.
2: that is tough to argue with. <laughs> I saw it.
4: A- you know what? I saw it at the U.S. Open tennis uh, one time. The Cowboys opened the season, uh, and the U.S. Open was going on on a Saturday. I took the train out there. I said, oh, I can buy a scalp ticket, right? Well, they were going for $400. Uh, I didn't want to pay that much, so I'm just kind of watching. And I saw this guy, and he was talking to a little group of people. He handed them all tickets, and they went to the gate. They all walked in, handed the ticket guy uh, their, their tickets, and all got in. And then one guy came back out. Well, the guy that had the scam going was, was, go, was giving the, the tickets were being given to his uncle. And the uncle didn't tear the tickets. He held on to them. And he walked back out, gave him the six tickets. He did it again. (laughs) He did it again. And I'm going, okay, if he does it one more time, I'm doing it, right? They got to the gate with that last group, and the uncle kind of gave him the sign, and he looked at everybody, goes, oh, no, 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 we got to go back. And he handed them their money back, and somebody gave him the high sign that they were going to get caught.
3: Oh, wow.
4: But he did it like three or four times, six, you know, figure it out, you know, 20, 30 bucks. And and you weren't going to get a seat, but you got on the grounds. Right. And then he was explaining to people as the, the as the stadium matches go on, that you would be able to find a seat later in the match. But as but long as you were in the grounds, you, you were good and you can stand and watch.
3: And that's why I carry a ladder with me everywhere I go, Kevin. Because nobody's going to question a guy who has a ladder. Who has a ladder. <laughs> like, he's got to do work and I don't want to be involved with it.
2: It feels like the amount of effort to carry that ladder would not end up paying off for that one time it you hit. Think. I, you might that's be right. That's why nobody suspects
4: it. You're going to go over the fence? Is that what you're telling <laughs> me? Yes.
2: That is exactly what he's telling you, Mick, is we found out from Stephen Jones yesterday high ankle sprain for Jonathan Hankins. Yeah. Which, it seems good and bad, I guess, because when you get carted off, you feel the absolute worst. And I realize a high ankle sprain is not an easy injury to deal with, but it could have potentially been worse. What do you think about the injury and then the potential for Mozzie Smith to get a little bit more going?
4: Yeah, I'm thinking a high ankle sprain for a guy uh, that weighs, what, 325 pounds right is a pretty serious injury yeah Uh, so yeah uh, because the funny thing was when he was was on the field and everybody was around him we couldn't see exactly who it was uh, and I had my binoculars and I thought I I recognized the biggest thigh I think I'd ever seen and it said oh that's got to be Jonathan Hankins down there right and Mm -hmm. sure enough uh, well Mozzie Smith uh for sure and then remember they signed kind of a i think he's got some years on him carl carl davis uh to the practice squad um they did that back oh um well it was late in the summer and he and he's been on oh no i'm sorry uh it was mid-november and so he's a guy that's got a little bit of experience, and he's a defensive tackle. So they, you know, would have three elevations for him if they thought they needed more help in the middle there. But, yeah, I would think, Mozzie, you better be ready because this is your big chance. Do you – I heard
3: McCarthy say in the pro, the postgame yeah, uh, Sunday – you know, I, I like this stretch of football because it's like playing, we're, we're, this is playoff football. We have to play somebody who's, right. who's out for something each week. Do you agree with him on that, on that perspective right now?
4: Well, you'd rather be playing a bunch of cream puffs, right? <laughs> yes. Agreed. <laughs> uh, but since this is what you got, you might as well kind of make the best of it and say, yeah, this is great training for the playoffs. Um, and since uh, I think Kevin pronounce the Cowboys are in the playoffs facts and, uh that uh yeah you know and and you're playing basically what you're doing is you're playing playoff quality teams yeah uh, and so yeah and you get you you'll find out where you are where you aren't and uh, you know as you're moving forward with these next uh next three games and two of them on the road And not a great time to be on the road in Buffalo. Heck, it's not a great time to be on the road in Miami. You never know what the humidity is going to be, right? Then again, Uh, I have no idea what Miami is going to do on a game-to-game basis. Well, that's true too. Uh, But yeah, uh, I think it is a. It's a. It's a good uh, testing ground that they'll. They're gonna. Well, if you think about it, they're gonna play. What five teams in a row that had winning records coming into the game? If you go back to the, the Seattle, yeah, that Philadelphia, is true. and that's then true. three, that's a pretty tough streak, right, to continue. And, you know, I keep hearing, well, yeah, if they run the table, well, that's nine consecutive wins, you're asking. That that's a pretty long streak, right? That's true. Maybe it's fortunate for Philadelphia that they've lost two in a row, so now all they got to do is win four in a row to run the table. Maybe so. I mean, I wonder what the percentages are. You know, I'm sure somebody's got that out there. What are the percentage of winning nine consecutive games?
2: I'll have to get back to you on that. That is a good question. I'm sure there's
4: something out there, right? Yeah. Um, Because, well, the last time I would think the Cowboys won more was Dak's rookie year, right? They won 11 straight after they lost the opener. So you're saying it can be done. It can be done, but it, boy, that's a that's a tough road there
3: this late in the season. Do something historic, man. Yeah. Go be go be history. You win 11 straight, maybe that'll heavy in the Super Bowl at the very least the
2: NFC. Yeah, they and they don't win. graph
4: grandfather you into the Super Bowl either oh, by the way. Oh, that would be so cool. Now you got to win two or three more straight to get there. <laughs> I know. Stupid jerks. That's why we can't get there anymore. All right.
2: Thank you. (laughs) Thank you very much, Mickey. We'll catch up with you again tomorrow. All
4: right. Sure thing. See you.
2: There you go. Mickey Spagnola from DallasCowboys.com right here on 105 Through the Fan. Mike, he did say something right at the beginning. He was like, oh, I was at that game.
0: Yeah, the Vegas game. And the Stars
2: do need defensive help. And that was one of the concerns we had going into, especially last season. I I don't know if everyone had the same fear, but still – you knew defense was going to kick up its head, and I know Detroit's a good team, but Vegas is a really right. good team, and that's why I was worried that you just got smacked.
0: I even mentioned last week, it just seems like to me, like Vegas and Colorado are just better. There's nothing this year. Now, there's plenty of time to get better, to improve, but it just seems like if you play Vegas or Colorado in a seven-game series, you're going to lose that series. Now, Fair. maybe everybody else in the Western Conference, right, the Western Conference? That you're better than, you know, whether it's Minnesota, Seattle, Detroit, whoever it is, it seems like, hey, man, we can handle these teams. But there's two teams that, to me, at least seem
2: they're just better than you. And there's not
0: much you can do to beat them in a seven
2: game series. At least at this moment, you position yourself again. We've talked about with this Cowboys Keep as much right. distance between yes. you and those teams in the playoffs as possible. And then you still have significantly more options for trade deadline and everything coming up.
0: I've loved watching hockey. I don't want to sound like an expert at all. But it seems like they get really sloppy when they're trying to clear the puck and the puck can stay. Agreed. And then, obviously, there seems to be free skaters a lot of times around the the net. Now, maybe that happens all the time. I don't watch the the new york rangers versus the new jersey devils i'm not watching right. like i'm not that into the sport yet where i'm trying to watch other teams play but yeah, it seems less like less of that
3: when the playoffs roll around yeah it seems
0: sure. like there's a lot of freedom around ottinger or wedgewood like there just seems to be like a lot of freedom to do whatever you want
2: we're the knc masterpiece right here on 105 through the fan coming up next in studio we will have former multi-time world champion current AEW superstar and the David Bowie of wrestling. It's Chris Jericho next right here on The Fan. Can't see Masterpiece back here on 105. Through The Fan right now, the song might have tipped you off. We have former multi-time world champion, current AEW superstar. It is the David Bowie of wrestling, Chris Jericho. Good morning, sir, and thank you for coming in.
5: <laughs> the David Bowie of wrestling. Finally, my mission has come true. You did it. Yes, I did it. I made it happen.
2: And now if you could star in a Labyrinth sequel or something like that, I think that would be Oh, dude, that'd amazing. be amazing.
5: That'd be that, uh, do like the rebooted extras, call Ricky Gervais a stupid little fat man, I'd be all set.
2: Yes! Okay, I'm here. Chubby little loser. I'm here for all of that. Is Dynamite is going to be at College Park Center tomorrow night in Arlington. And then y'all are pretty much taking over the Metroplex for the week. Because we are. Final Battle... Friday at the Colwell Center in Garland, where y'all have done a bunch of winners coming. And then Collision, Saturday at the Curtis Colwell Center in Garland. I, that was ahead. the one-hour, I went to the one-hour uh, match. It was, the winner is coming in 2021. He had not seen, I took him to right. Dynamite. He had not seen, like, in-person wrestling since the 80s. And the very first match on the TV show was, Was the hour draw between Brian Danielson and Hangman Page? Oh, good. And and at the time, we're we're about 30 minutes in, he goes, Your match is like usually this long? And I go, (laughs) No, you definitely are not. So this is, this is, that was a
5: special night for sure.
2: It really was. And Mike, can you tell Chris or tell everybody your experience with that versus? We were just talking off air the way it used to be in the eighties.
0: Well, obviously I had a lot of fun. I hadn't been to wrestling since a kid when it was at the sportatorium and the Von Ericks and stuff like that. And so I was just I was honestly loving the heel. I, I loved being MJF, at the event. He loved too. And, right. And it was just he did a great job of inciting the crowd and the crowd was really into it and it was a blast. But it was obviously lasting a long time. I'm like, gosh, I do watch quite a few here and there, WWF events or AEW events. I'm like, they don't feel this long when I'm watching on television. So <laughs> obviously Once
5: in a while you get the long match, exactly. So yeah, that that's just the tradition here in Dallas of doing the winter is coming. Always make sure to put on a great show. Uh, It's kind of one of the tent poles of our year, and the tradition is to do it here in Dallas, because once again, it's a great wrestling city, it's a great AEW city, and it's a great Chris Jericho city.
0: At what point do you get very fatigued in a match?
5: I mean, I I don't know. I don't think I ever really get fatigued at all, and I think all of us are equipped to go an hour if we had to. Thankfully, that doesn't really happen much, so... (laughs) Uh, Usually matches, especially for TV, you're talking 15, 20 minutes and you're always fatigued as in you're giving it your all and it's not easy to do. But I think, you know, not to sound too cliched, but most of us are highly conditioned athletes that are used to it and you just go out there and do it. It's what we do. So I'm a former professional baseball player and my career
0: ended at 30 years old, like a lot of guys do. There's special guys that they get to play into their 30s. And when you talk to those guys, they have to do so much maintenance to have their body ready to play in a Major League Baseball game, let's just say in their mid-30s or late-30s. And I see you as a professional wrestler being able to do it into your 40s and now 50s. How different is your day like getting prepared to to do your thing from 25 years old to 45 years
5: Quite old? Quite honestly, exactly the same as it's always been. I think because I've been doing this for so long that um, you – you know, you talk about the David Bowie of wrestling that goes for your training regimen too. Like I don't lift weights uh, anymore because I think that as you get old, that's kind of more of a detriment than a help because on your joints and your tendons. So that's a lot more kickboxing. Now it's a lot more, a uh, long, long distance bicycling and that sort of a thing. Um, much more cognizant of diet than I've ever been before. So I think all of those things contribute to you. Just keep doing what you're doing. And obviously wrestling is a little different because um, there's a show business element to it. You can kind of, control what you're doing but still anytime you step into the ring and, and take a bump take a fall as we as we call it take a bump uh, you could hurt yourself. so um, I just think that there's a little bit more longevity because you don't have to throw the ball or hit the ball you are basically just telling stories which is way more important than the matches that you have is um, connecting with the audience being via the, via the characters that you play. And the stories that you tell—that's really the most important thing about the business.
3: And then the maintenance, also—you got to take out your own stitches. Is that is that the <laughs> way that it all works?
5: Well, the funny thing, so I just did that on on Instagram a couple of weeks ago. I got some stitches in my arm, and when you get them, it's like ten days later you have to get them removed. I don't have time to go to the clinic and you know wait there for, for an hour to have some doctor cut the stitches out. I can do that myself, um, so I do, and that's no problem. And I had my daughter film it, which was funny because she started feeling really queasy and nauseous. I'm like, why? And I didn't realize it's probably pretty. Pretty traumatic to yeah. watch your dad take out his own stitches as you're filming it for TikTok.
2: <laughs> yes, that makes it's a lot of sense to me. me. I was like,
5: oh, I'm sorry, sweet. I didn't even really think about this it. It's just what like, I What's the big deal? Just take the stitches out. Who cares?
2: Now, when we make reference to being the David Bowie of wrestling, I think, and you can correct me if I'm wrong here, it's because of your ability to reinterpret who you are or your character yeah, time I mean, and again.
5: Yeah, it's, it's reinvention. It's evolving. It's always staying ahead of the curve, never getting stale. And always keeping people guessing as to what you're doing. You know, obviously Bowie did that with his whole career, changing the style of music that he played and kind of the character and the persona that he had. And from a very, very early on into the career, especially when I started with with WCW and then into WWE, realizing that we're on TV 52 weeks a year, you can't look the same all the time or do the same thing or have the same rap because it's going to get really stale and really boring very quickly. And so that's kind of always... Once again, staying ahead of of that and never wanting to be a nostalgia act, um, which I think gives you a lot more um, legitimacy and it gives you a lot more longevity and all those long L words that I can barely pronounce. Um, But yeah, it really does kind of keep things fresh and you're always keeping people guessing, which I think is exciting.
2: Was there ever a pivot then, like I understand everything that you just said, was there ever a pivot that you were hesitant because you thought either this was working so well or you weren't sure how accepting fans would be for better or worse of the new direction you were going. Um, I think
5: probably in about 2008 when I realized that, that Y2J was kind of done. And so I had cut my hair and I went from long tights to short tights, dropped the countdown entrance that I had, but more specifically I I had a a kind of a, um, a company wide edict that you're not allowed to call me Y2J anymore. Don't call me that on commentary. Don't call me that in any ads that you print or any publicity that we're doing. It's done. Don't refer to me by that name anymore because people need to know you're, you're, you're serious about it when you want to change. And once again, going back to rock and roll, which is how I kind of analyze everything. You look at when Kiss took off their makeup in, in 83, like that was a real uh, sea change. Like they're letting people know this is different. We're taking our freaking makeup off. So you know, you're, people will see that and go, what do they just do? Why are they doing that? And that's kind of what I wanted to do when, when I dropped the Y2J thing was I wanted everyone to understand this is different. I'm taking this seriously. I expect you to do that as well. And I kind of do that throughout my career. You know, um, when I first went to AEW, when we started, one of the reasons why I didn't want to go back to WWE and I wanted to do something new is I didn't want to go back to doing the list. I knew that people right. would want to see the list again. And it was so huge. The list was so popular, but I felt... If I go back now three years later and start putting people on the list, it just doesn't feel right to me. It feels kind of lame and, and contrived. And um, The you festival
2: know, of friendship is still amazing. Like, it, I realize we've moved one, on. One of the but, greatest moments yeah. in raw
5: history, and I say that with all humbleness. Um, but, yeah, so that's why I wanted to do something when we came to AW and do Le Champion and do the Demo God, and then you're the wizard, and then it's the Painmaker, and it's all these different things. The Ocho constantly keeping it fresh, and and I like that. Um and sometimes maybe I, I might cut off something a little bit too early, but if I feel like I want to take a, a left turn, then I just do it.
3: Even wanting some more, we had a yeah. we had a, a guy in the radio business once when I was very early in the stage of this. Say it's a it's an addictive business. You're you'll you'll always love it, and I have I, I've I've absolutely loved the the enjoyment of being on air and everything. What is the addictive part of your business? What makes you go? I ha- I have to keep up. Get I just up and think if
5: this. if you love what you do, that's the addiction. You know what I mean. And if you don't like what you do, then then you have to change it. So um, it's exciting. You know, when AEW started, it became wrestling became exciting for me again, and it became the passion was there um, that I hadn't had for, for a while, and that that makes it. You know, th- that makes it addictive. Like you said, you want to continue to do it, and it's it's fun to continue to create cool stories and and have cool matches and all that sort of stuff um and that's why I'm still doing it you know what I mean if if, if I didn't feel this a thousand percent from a mental standpoint you can't be in the business anymore because right. you, you got to be all in no pun intended and that's kind of where I'm at you know and I still you know I can still have the best match on the show on any given night not every night but some nights, it's, you can still do it. And then as long as I can know that on any given night I can have the best match of the show, I'll still continue to be involved in, in telling these great stories that we've been able to tell as well. Chris Jericho
0: here on 105.3 The Fan. Now, Chris, when it comes to your personal life, you've been married now for 23 years. Mm-hmm. I get to read or, or see these articles of wrestlers talk about their career and they talk about how kind of crazy the lifestyle is. How have you been able to stay married for this long? Because in baseball, obviously, we have a home field where half of our games are in one place. Obviously, half of our games are all over the country. You're going all over the place. It seems like every all the time. How tough is it to kind of keep that life? I
5: I mean, you know, that's the good thing about what we do and how the business has kind of morphed into 2023 where it's much more based just around television and that's once a week, you know, and and for AEW, yes, we have for example, this week, like you said, Dynamite on Wednesday and Collision on Saturday and a pay-per-view on Friday, but you know, most of the time we're working once a week. And sometimes it might be twice a week, but it's a lot different from the days when you were working four days a week, Um, sometimes even five. And that that was a little bit harder to do. But it's easier now because there's a lot of time at home, Um, you know, especially, like I said, if you're if you're working on a Wednesday and you leave Tuesday and you're back Thursday, it's pretty, you know, you're you're home most of the week. So things have changed. I mean, one when I first started, I remember in WCW, I was working, I think. 23 or 24 dates a month like that's insane when you think of that and WWE as well 20 dates a month 22 dates a month there's no way i would still be doing this if right. that was the schedule nowadays and i think that's another reason like if this was 1985 chris jericho wouldn't be wrestling at 53 but in 2023 the business has, has morphed into uh where we're at now where you can still continue to wrestle i mean sting is 64 He's yeah. still kicking ass he's getting ready to have his final match in february but um, you know that's that's when he's decided he's done. I mean, that's twelve years away for me. You know what I mean? And so
2: you got another twelve. in I you? mean, you
5: never know, right? I'll have to start putting some face paint on, maybe or something along those lines. But you know, I, I, it's one of those things. Where I remember when I first started at nineteen, I was like, oh, I'll probably wrestle till I'm thirty. That sounds good, you know. And then here I am, you know, fifty three, thinking, well, I could probably go another whatever. I don't know. I could explode into a puff of dust tomorrow. But as of right now, I'm feeling great.
2: I make for great TV. If nothing, it would. Else. If I'm gonna, if I'm gonna do that, <laughs> yeah. Let's make
5: sure we put it on pay per view. Yeah, exactly, Most exactly. Moment
2: ever. Would you be okay with staying around for another segment? Love this conversation we got
5: going. I'll be happy to, as long as you guys will have me. Yes.
2: Outstanding. Yes. <laughs> I'm really glad that you said that, and we need to tell you on the other side the amazing last time that you were here. You just made my day. AEWtix.com. If you want to check it out, dynamite tomorrow in Arlington. Friday, final battle at Colwell Center in Garland and collision Saturday at the Colwell Center in Garland. Coming up next, we'll have more with Chris Jericho right here on 105.3 The Fan.
1: Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand.